Cookie, you are back. I am. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being <laughs> here. So let's get rolling with this episode. Cookie, I don't think oh, any listeners of the podcast, they've seen you. You've been on here how many times now? I think Three? this is my third time. All right. So you're a repeat visitor and we talk about a lot of serious stuff. So we'll talk about some serious stuff today too, but let's also talk about some... Not so serious stuff? Yeah, if that's cool. <laughs> sure. What do you do this weekend? No? Um, actually... Later on, we're going to talk about what you did last weekend. It sounded like you had a heck of a trip. Yes, and, yes. But first, let's 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 stick in Osara, and then we'll get back to your personal mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. All right. So, Cookie, can you fill us in on what's the latest with the NCA? There, it's been a very very active 2019. Probably yes. one of the certainly the most active of your tenure as president. Um, a lot of controversy, a lot of ups and downs, and and I'm mainly referencing the the regulations and 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 whatnot. But the NCA has more things going on than just that yes yes way more you know as you know we focus on three areas which is beach protection parkland protection and community planning mm -hmm. and both three areas are working and moving along and i think that as you say 2019 has been very very busy uh for me it has been very cool to see how the community has responded and i think that before there was more like maybe lack of knowledge about what the NCA was doing or the organization in general. You know, this is a 45-year-old organization that that, uh, that we're talking about. 2019, I think that most of the residents of Nosara know what the NCA is now mm -hmm. and also have a very clear position about it that I'm hoping it's it's positive. And if it's not yet, I'm, I'm really <laughs> sure that it will get there. I'm sorry for laughing. That was just too funny. <laughs> um, Let's start with community planning. That's the one people want to hear an update mm -hmm. on. There's a lot of rumors circulating around. Um, could you tell us from your position and the NCA's position, what's happening with uh, building regulations? Yes. So when we talk about community planning, the, the, you know, the big thing that we talk about is plan regulador, mm -hmm. which I think that's the first thing that we have to be very clear. Clarify again, just for anyone listening, what that means versus the temporary thing. Exactly. So the plan regulador, it's basically, it's, it's a legislation by law. All cantons of Costa Rica should have a plan regulador. Not a lot of them has it have it because it's it's a complicated long process that has to be um, spearheaded by the municipality our local government in our case the municipality of Nicoya and for I think it was at the end of 2017 that I was um, joined the commission of, of uh, plan regulador the municipality of Nicoya uh, being appointed by the municipal council so there's seven people that formed this commission two people from the council, two people from the administration of the municipality of Nicoya, and three people from uh, civil society. So I'm one of those three people from civil society. Uh, the commission has been working on advancing the plan regulador, um, that it's, as I mentioned before, it's long and it's also expensive. Hey, I need to interrupt you right there before we forget the mm -hmm. point. That's one of the rumors that circulate frequently around here is that there's been so much focus on getting the temporary stuff pushed through that the actual plan regulador has been somewhat ignored. Yeah, so I, I'm, uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not saying this. No, as a and, I, question. and I appreciate I'm just it. I hear yes. that. So I'll, while you brought it up, I want you yes. to address that. Yes, and thank you for asking because I, I think that's very far from uh, being correct at all. You know, sadly, uh, as I've been learning, in government, everything small moves slow. Mm -hmm. way slower than I would actually want it to. But, you know, it is what it is. And, and I think we just have to keep working on it. With the Plan Regulador, uh, the municipality of Nicoya budget 
40 million colones for last year and 40 million colones for this year. And just for you to get an idea, just one study for a part, just one, you know, like the hydrogeological study, that it's one of the studies that we have to have information for the whole canton. Just for the district of Nosara, that study could eat the 40 million colones. So, you know, it's it's a matter of budgeting in order to be able to move even faster. And I think it's also a matter of how fast the um, administration of the municipality executes the agreements. So right now I have really good news in terms of the plan regulador. Um, the municipality of Nicoya uh, hired the National University of Costa Rica as what it's called the planning team. So this, this planning team includes sociologists, uh, hydrologists, geologists, uh, all kinds of experts that are the ones that have to do the different studies in order to come with a proposal that it's going to be socialized with all of the community uh, when it's ready, you know, when, when it's mm -hmm. to the point. Um, it took us, it took the administration of the municipality in Nicoya at, I want to say like eight months to be able to, from the moment that the council said, yes, we're going to hire the, the national university to the moment that they were finally able to sign the contract and give the first payment for the national university to start working. Well, hey, I have a bet going with Josue from when he came on this show and he said three years and I told him, I, there's no way. And he's like, yep. And we argued about that and we agreed to disagree. So how are we trending on this? Uh, did they give any update on time frame for the- I hope you prepare whatever you bet because you know, the National University started working this week, finally. Oh, I want to lose this bet, obviously, <laughs> but I just, I think government moves slow. I think this is a hotly contested issue. I think there's elections coming up. I think there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of confusion and it also seems internal and I'm not, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here, but we've had a mm -hmm. lot of public meetings that you guys have hosted, some other people have hosted, just we've had a, more mm -hmm. public meetings this year on this topic than I think anything I can think of, mm -hmm. um, at least in my time here. And that last public meeting when the mayor came out and when the other staff from Nicoya came out, and I don't even remember who else came out, it was incredibly inefficient. And I saw, I could even understand everything that was being said, and I completely could feel it and see that there's disconnects between the different those individuals, yeah. I could just see the way they were looking at each other. Like there's, there's a lot of internal stuff going on in Akoya. We're not going to unravel that right yeah. now. But what I'm getting at is that kind of dashes my hopes of a, a quick turnaround on a plan regular door if there's not a lot of cohesion. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's my thoughts on it. So I'm not, I'm not holding my breath for three years, but I hope to goodness that that it moves forward. Well, yeah, and you're saying yeah. that is happening. <clears throat> yes, yes. I mean, the National University started working this week. They're uh, meeting with the different uh, government institutions that are in Nicoya to gather information. Uh, they will also be coming to Nosara at some point and there will be all, you know, identify. Uh, I think that there's going to be the, the municipality is going to be doing some post about the. Oh, like a badge, the, like the a badge. Means, uh, yeah. yeah, there will be all have a badge so that people can uh, know that they're what they're doing. Um, and it's moving along I, that that's moving along. Also, the phase one of the hydrogeological study for Nosara has been uh, approved by Senara, which is the government institution that has to approve it. And the fair phase one for the hydrogeological study for uh, Nicoya downtown has also been submitted to Senara, and it's now in the process of being approved. So things are moving along. I think that, you know, well, hey, that's it's just slow. Hey, do you want to double down and make the same bet with me? 
three three years from today. I'm I'm with Josue all the way, of all course. Right, throw, all right. Especially because I don't want to be in the commission forever. Like I know, <laughs> I know, we'll get it done. Yeah, no, this isn't fun, Cookie. Getting in the middle of a bunch of fights and oh, all that. Oh gosh, no, I don't want to fight. I really don't want to fight. Well, you signed up to fight, and that's what you're going to get if you're president of the NCA because you're an environmental organization in a quickly developing town, and there's a lot of confusion here. There's a lot of confusion. That's one thing I've learned this year. There's a lot of well-intended people mm-hmm. who are fighting with other people who actually should not be. Fighting fighting with other people, but they don't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I started to make a graph and I pulled it down. I was about to post it. I was like, hey, here's what you should be angry about because there's multiple camps. There's some people who are like, do nothing. And there's other people do everything. And there's people who are in the middle, do some of it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been the dialogue, right? Yeah. I've just noticed how interesting it is. A lot of the people, they're actually arguing against people they kind of agree with and they don't know it. Yeah, yeah. And then some people, they think they agree with them, but they actually are are really far apart. It's a very complicated onion. I think you have a great point. I mean, I and I say, I will say it again, I don't want to fight, but that doesn't mean that I'm not... Uh, open to acknowledging that there's people that are going to think different than I, that I do. And I am also okay with, with com- conversations and communications as long as they can be respectful. So mm. if, if, if we can have, a, um, you know, uh, an honest, mature conversation where we never lose respect to each other, it's okay if you think different than I do. That always happens. I'm married. It always happens. <laughs> so, um, you know, let, let's, Let's do it. I'm, I'm open and I am, and, and I'm pretty much available to talk with anybody who wants to talk. And if, if they have questions, by all means, come ask them. Like, I'll respond. Would you be interested or willing to do like an open forum discussion at some point in time? Yes. Like, of if we had, like, if, if we called it together and I like moderated it and we had like an actual open, real discussion, I can do that. That yeah. might be a good idea at some point. Yes, totally. I there can do that. There were times where I might have thought that was a bad idea. Oh my god! Like I, if, if somebody has a better idea than I do, by all means, like I think that's when you get the richest results when you're able to have different people go over on a situation and kind of build up from that together. So let's move into Parklands. What's the latest up, updates that you have for that? So on Parklands, uh, we one of the hottest things I think at the beginning of this year was the negotiation uh, with Custodia de Propiedad Guanacastecas. So yeah, well, how's that going? It's it, right now we're we're waiting again. We're in the hands of the government. So, you know, the two parts, the NCA and Custodia de Propiedades uh, agreed on on the properties that were overlapped, that there were six out of the 33 properties that the Nosara Civic Association owns that were overlapped. We we found an agreement that I think pleased both parts. And now it's in the hands of topographers and lawyers and in the hands of the National Registry of Costa Rica that has to approve the new planos in order to be able to move forward. So we're, we're waiting on that. Cookie, one of the things I think that got overshadowed this year was what you just referenced. The Richmond Phipps thing from the day I showed up was like, hey, there's this evil lady who's taking over and it's this huge fight. And then there was the other side. And then there were people like, no, she's actually, she's not that bad. Wait, she's actually right. And she is the evil side. Like there was always this this big, huge kind of war yeah. building up. And uh, it was like this weird, it was like the dark cloud over us yeah. for the longest yeah. time. And I think they deserve credit. And I think you deserve credit. Uh, despite whatever's happened in the past, it's really impressive how much progress you guys made. Mm-hmm. Because when I came in, it was like, these people are our enemies forever. And you guys, despite whatever your difference may be, you made a lot of progress. So yes. I, I want to just thank you. I want to thank them. And I want to remind the community that, hey, this big, huge, horrible thing 
might actually have a decent ending. Like, is that is that really true? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's the case. And I have to say, well, when I came to the NCA, I, I, I never um, get the chance to meet Richmond Phipps. Actually, you know, I, I remember seeing her one time. I think it was in a NASA meeting. That was the only time, and she uh, passed away uh, soon after that. And I have to give a lot of the credit to her daughter, Brooke Shields, who was the one who um, kind of decided to try to solve the situation and knew that she didn't want to live all her life like with this in her back. So she very proactively approached all the different people. Uh, I think it, there were like 90 different properties that were that had overlaps with her property. And she approached all of them one by one. One of them was the NCA with several properties, six, as I mentioned before. And she really tried to to hold, you know, good negotiations. And and I think that at the end of the day, what it's important is to understand that this was something that it was not, you know, it wasn't either Brooks' fault or it wasn't NCA's fault. This is something that now we know it's actually a very common problem in all of Costa Rica, which is the fact that uh, many years ago, the way that properties were titled and, and inscribed in the register was not the best way. So, you know, you have a lot of overlaps and you have properties that maybe uh, don't match the, you know, what's on paper, the physical reality, those kinds of things. And, and that's what we're trying to address at this point. Well, it seems like you're almost done. You're getting close. Yes, right. I, th- I think with the NCA, that's like, a woo. well, anyway, I'm just trying to find a bright light mm-hmm. after a pretty challenging year. That is a, uh, that's phenomenal. So shout out to them and, and to you guys. So thank you. Thank you. Thank on you. On behalf and of the community. You know, we have now two workers that are going around all the properties. We've been moving along with fencing and just addressing situation with different neighbors. We're talking about properties that haven't been fenced or really that well oversight, you know, oversee for the last 20, 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. So th- there has been some, some hiccups along the way, but I'm happy that to say that I think that as long as there's good communications, we've been able to solve all of these uh, situations with, with our neighbors in a amicable way. How are the trails going? The trails, uh, you know, now that it stopped raining, they're starting to, to look really good. We have been working for over a year now in new trail signage. And I'm super happy to say that the uh, prototype of the new trail sign, uh, we installed the first one. And of course, because it's a prototype after we did it, we saw a couple of things that need to be corrected. But um, I'm really hoping that in the next weeks, we can have the first signs that are going to go um six different trail entrances. So we're not doing all the trails yet, but we're putting the signage that it's hope- hopefully going to help people navigate the trails better. Um, and one of the goals that I would call a new project that we're trying to address is that um, Nosara, there's there's this um, index called the Social Progress Index that was developed in um, England and Costa Rica adopted it to through INCAE, which is a business school in San Jose. INCAE estimated the Social Progress Index for all the cantons of Costa Rica, all the 82 cantons of Costa Rica. And then they also did it for some touristic areas, including Nosara. Mm. So now we know what is our social progress index for Nosara. It's great data and um, we have to... Can, can you share? Like, yeah. quick, What are we good and bad at? We're, we're kind of in the middle. You know, the top in social progress index of uh, des- destinations in Costa Rica are like La Fortuna and Monteverde. Okay. And we're kind of in the middle. That's where we are. One of the things that we scored the lowest was mobility. So how easy is for people to go from one place to another in Nosara? We had to have gotten the lowest possible score 
that there is. And and you know, in the public buses, there's really not that many. So you know, you either got the bus at seven in the morning, or the next one is at noon, or something like that, or you know, and then the last one is at five p.m. And after that, you can't go to Nicoya on public transportation. So that has been on my mind for a while, and in the mind of several other NCA members and just community members in general. And we've been playing with this idea of how can we move from Guiones all the way to Nosada Town without going on the main road. That we know now that if the project of pavement of the main roads keeps moving forward, there's no room for bicycle lanes or sidewalks on that, you know, Route 160. So there a is, lot of us are scared about that yes. because as soon as the just the road just got graded a little bit and people are already. Speeding. I got passed like 15 times by bikes and quads and cars yes. and everyone's flying and i'm really scared yeah yeah please don't do that there's so much wildlife going across the street like it's so important to go slow on behalf of the wildlife for the pizzotes quick tip we should tell people if you see one stop because there's more there's more coming yeah it's never just kind of one cruising around yes um, there's there's a yes. whole bunch of them there's an area between the entrance to the Bodhi tree and cafe de paris between there, there's parkland on both sides of the road. And I always see uh, pisotes going across there. So that is one of the areas that please don't speed there because they're always going across. And we are working together with the uh, Refuge for Wildlife, Brenda Bomber's Refuge for Wildlife, the Stop the Shocks programs, uh, MOPT and ESE into putting um, bridges for mm -hmm. monkeys. But we're also going to be putting signage, hopefully when the time is ready, like MOPT has been open to that, saying where there is pedestrian like wildlife crossings cool. so that people can slow down when they get to if i could ask you to add in one more thing a big fat speed bump whenever the time's right before you get to organico because people come down 160 and they're yeah they hit that straight away they speed up and i have asked about that there's and kids everywhere yeah. right there what and then, the guys from mopt told me is that speed bumps they can only put them close to schools that's what they told me so there's probably going to be speed bumps around the esperanza school and the soccer field when it's paved mm -hmm. i was really bummed to hear about that and I, I think that we can look more into it i mean we have to be able to get them this is a buffer zone of a protected area of the austin wildlife refuge so you know hopefully with some sort of, of advocacy in there like they can understand that this is this is real human life there's there's kids walking yes. from yes. cafe paris across the street to the new welcome center in Coconut Harry's and Organico, like nonstop. I mean, I think that with data and if everything is very well demonstrated, like we can say how many people are going through there. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we have to address that when they start putting the pavement. Which, Either way, I want to go frankly at this sand, point, like, they don't, they haven't even budgeted the pavement yet, which is. <laughs> um, but the, in front of the Gardens Hotel, that area, that's a very dangerous curve. Yes. Something to slow that yes. down. Oh my God, so many cars go on that ditch like, yeah, all the time. People are getting hit. It's just it's not any fun. Going back to the trail. So the idea is using the NCA parklands and using the river dike that if you look at it you know mm. it's, it's such a nice sore but it almost looks like that could be a bicycle lane so how can we do that and we're just starting with the idea and we're going to form a committee there's some people who are have expressed their interest of being part of this committee there's places also in Costa Rica there's this great project called Rutas Naturbanas in San Jose where they are building uh, trails for bicycles and for uh, pedestrians alongside the rivers of San Jose that are very contaminated. But, you know, in Costa Rica, the rivers have um, retiro. Oh, a setback. The rivers have a setback of 50 meters. So those 50 meters are public. And that's where they're putting this trail. So I want to go cool. with our committee and, and see what is the design, what are they doing. I know there's also an elevated trail in 
Santa Rosa National Park that they did. So we, I think we can see from what people have already been doing and try to put something similar here in Nosada so that we can improve our mobility. Well, hey, that's super encouraging because the lack of bike paths and walking paths, mm-hmm. it's something, it's a, it's a distinct issue. And we just need people to wow. know more about them. I have a good friend that has been here for like, you know, living in Nosada for the year for for like a year now, but coming for like the last five years. And he didn't know about the trail that goes between Nomadic and uh, Pacifico Azul to kind of where Wanderlust uh-huh. is. And every time he needed to do that, he will go on the road or all the way down to the yep. beach. I was like, how? People so still pe- do that. Yeah, that is one of the most used ones. But so yeah, we need more, we need more people to use the trails. And, and in order to have that happen, we need them to make it easier for them to use them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It seems like the good news is there's a lot more happening on the trail stuff than, than I had realized. And I think people will be happy to yes. hear that. Yes, yes. There's so much more things happening. All right, so let's move over to the refuge. And I'm not being mean or negative here. I'm just being honest. I think there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the refuge. Um, and I think there's a lot of well-intended, actually, you could kind of say this about all of Nosara. I think there's a lot of well-intended people who are trying to make a difference and stand up for nature and the environment, mm-hmm. but they might not fully understand the situation. Yes. Um, could you provide a little bit more clarification uh, as well to what the refuge is and what you guys are up to mm-hmm. and then the circumstances kind of surrounding yes. that? Yes. Yeah. So it's important to understand that the, that the Austin Wildlife Refuge it's a um, protected area designated by the Costa Rican government, right? So in Costa Rica, there's several degrees, to call it in some sort of way, of protection that you can have uh, within the national park systems, right? So 25% of Costa Rica is protected under the national park system in any sort of level. It could be a national park, which is the le- top levels of protection. It could be a refuge like the one we have here. It could be a um, uh, forestry reserve. It could be a zona protectora like in Ojancha in Monte Alto where the uh, Nosara River is born. So there's different levels. I'll just stop right there. I don't think people understand that there were different levels. They just come outside of their house and see someone cutting something down. And it's like, oh, that's in the refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, this Just like so many other things here, this is this is a complicated... It is. It is. And I understand. I mean, it, it has. it's even complicated for me that I work on these things to kind of get it all going. The Ocinal Wildlife Refuge, it's, um, you know, kind of exactly matches the what it's called the maritime zone, which is the 200 meters from the high tide uh, line inland. Those 200 meters, it's what it's uh, here, the Ocinal Wildlife Refuge, right? And it, it includes the beaches of Ocinal, Nosara, then there's a river mouth, then there's uh, Pelada, and then there's Guiones. All those four beaches are part of the Ocinal Wildlife Refuge. And it's managed by the government, by SINAC, and their station, their guard station is in, in Ostional. So the role of the NCA is that we have been like an ally for uh, the management of the Ostional Wildlife Refuge, especially helping them connect with the reality of what's going on in the beaches of Guiones and Pelada, because they have been very uh, disconnected into what's kind going on in Ostional. To give you an example, I mean, in, in Ostional, September and October, there's a phenomenon that it's like the second place in the world where olive ridley turtles comes to lay their eggs all together at the same time. Scientists still don't know why they all align themselves to come around the new moon, but they do. Those two months, there's nobody in Guiones and Pelada. Those are the super dead low season. And then, you know, we have this amazing phenomenon happening here and somehow the tourism sector in this area are not connecting to that. 
And that is an economic problem as well, because we have a lot of businesses that close during two months and people are jobless during those two months. So there's an opportunity there. So how can we have better communication in order to be able to, to capitalize on that and also, um, do a smart use of, of the beach, which the reality is that the most of the people that come here come because of the beach and the beach is protected. So, you know, as we mentioned before, there's much more people coming. How do we make sure that the impact that we as humans are having on the beach are not affecting the, uh, the wildlife in the area? And that's kind of where we are. Um, Ostinal has been having a lot of changes. In 2017, they approved a new law, uh, that basically recognized the existence of a community or several communities within the park. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the park was created or the refuge was created in 1985. In 1983, and was extended to include Pelada and Guiones in 1985. Before that, there were already people living in Ostional, and there were already people living in Pelada. And once that was declared as a refuge, as a protected area, they were kind of like in limbo. It's like, okay, so what does that mean? Like, for at some point, they thought that they would have to leave their houses, get out of the 200-meter strip, and go live somewhere else. It's like two contrasting laws, essentially. One to protect people who've been there, and then mm -hmm. others to enforce the municipality, or not the municipality, the maritime. Yes. And they're kind of colliding as the, to what was going on, and that was the purpose for this adjustment a couple of years ago in yes. 2017 to the mixed. Yes, and I think that, you know, something really cool that Ostinat has been able to do is that they have they have this program where they uh, are being allowed to to take out some of the eggs that the turtles are laying because there's so many eggs that, you know, they, they go, um, they right. go to waste. And this has been done under the supervision of the Ministry of Environment and with the support of the national, uh, of the uh, UCR, Costa Rica University, mm -hmm. their biology department. They have been given an exemption in the International Turtle Convention. So that Ostinal is the only place that it is allowed to do that because they have been able to scientifically prove that the fact that they're taking out their eggs, it's actually increasing the chances of uh, eclusion or that the, the right. eggs coming to, you know, to become turtles. So that in there, you can see that you don't only have two options, which are conservation or use, you know, that seems so polarizing. The reality is that you can have in some sort of way both as long as you use them in a sustainable way, which is what Ostinal is doing. That's a really interesting point, Cookie. Conservation and exclusion. Yeah, geez, I'm just I just, I'm digesting it all. I, I, I'm here, so I just kind of accepted it. I'm used to it. But as I'm thinking about like on a broader scale, blending the two, it actually worked and it's working. It's what we have to do. I think that that kind of concept of human being separated from nature or dominant over nature is what has have us all in this kind of predicament that we are right now with global change. Well, then also the answer for a lot of people is like, forget the human part and the realities that are behind that and start beating a drum of stop everything. Mm -hmm. And that's not realistic, I listen, especially here where yeah. that happens a lot. And it's frustrating, especially for me, I'm like in the middle on, on so much of this stuff because yeah. it's like, well, I understand people are coming here. They want to come here. They legally can. There's properties to buy. They can build. You're not going to stop that. No. And trying to stop it is, in my opinion, a very, very poor use of resources, of time and energy because it's not realistic. So fighting a fight that's impossible to stop, I think, no. is dumb. I think what we should do is focus on what we have control over, what we can change, and do it as best that we can. I think Tosara is in a very privileged place where we can, like, we are right there, like, at the point where we can really show, and, and you know, we have all the minds that we can do things differently. 
mm. you know we can do that them differently and and there it has to be like that i i listened to um a ted talk about this man alan savory that was so interested and he was talking about how in africa he was trying to protect some land and you know what he was is like we got to take out all the animals and the moment that he took out all the animals of the land, it actually became a desert. So, you know, this desertification process happened. And now, you know, going back and realizing that there's a role for animals to play in the conservation, there's a role for humans to play as well. We just have to find that balance. And I think that, you know, in Osara, we're, we still have enough green where we can do that. And, and I think that most of the people are kind of believing that they can do something like that. I hope you believe that too. What I find refreshing is that you said that we still have a lot of green and Nosara is in a very good position. What gets a little old to me, and again, this is probably because I have a podcast and I talk about all this stuff all the time, so people come up and approach me about it, but it's it's over. It's all gone. The beauty's all lost. Like I'm really tired of hearing that because I, I just I could not disagree more. Yeah, I can't think of any town, not just in Costa Rica, I, almost, I can't think of almost anywhere that has green areas literally interrupting the entire community, preventing wide-scale development. Please tell me that's doing better than we are. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'd really yeah. love to hear it because I'm just kind of tired of like the mm-hmm. the anger and the sentiment. I know it's well intended, but it's not realistic. And when you, it's it's like whenever you have super polarizing opinions, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get anything done. So if you're really over here or really over here, you're gonna lock up. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like the states. I'll pick on my home country where I'm from. You have a left and a right, Democrat, Republican. As soon as you meet someone, it's like which side do you believe, and you automatically make up your mind. Yeah, and you're There's, shut. There's no middle thing. I yeah. think this stuff that you've been going through and the community's going through very much needs middle ground. And I actually think that is the solution. And that's kind of something you indicated earlier. Ostinal is a good example. Who would have thought that commerce and letting the local people actually take the eggs were going to help the eggs? It worked. Maybe there's a way we could do that here yes. with what we're doing. Because, again, I'm, I'm going to get yelled at for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, like the there's so much living hypocrisy here mm-hmm. and a lot of your supporters i'm one of your supporters i'm a member of the nca and and we're all already here yeah but we're here but we're real quick to talk about everyone else and all the people coming in and block them and yeah stop this and stop that as you're sitting in your house i love when like, people complain about um about construction noise i'm like oh my god you know please share with me how did you build your house that was noiseless because at some point you built the house too you know and now you're complaining because your neighbor is building a house right so if people were, were like hey listen i'm already here i've had my impact i admit mm-hmm. that i just want to improve the place but when it goes into yelling mode uh anger yeah. and saying these outlandish things as they sit behind inside of their house that was built trees were cut down to build that house it's like hold on a second like yeah and but, I think also, Rich, that we're focusing too much on the bad. Like, mm. yeah, there, there's people who maybe are not aware of, of the environment, but let's focus on the good. There's people who are. So I think that if we start a as point. a community sharing like the the great projects, like I know of a house that every, every since they started building it, I think it was around K section. What a beautiful project. They did this, you know, they built it all in steels and it's all around the trees. So you can build a beautiful house and be surrounded by nature. So those are the kinds of projects that instead of going and complain about the ones that we, we don't like, those. let's celebrate the ones that we like and, mm. and, and start giving them more, fit, you know, putting them out there in social media. This is what Nosada is about. Well, hey, again, shout out to the hotels because people like to say the big mega hotels. We don't have a mega hotel here. 
The Harmony's not a mega hotel. Bodhi Tree's not a mega hotel. No, Lagarda Harmon- Lodge, even with all the stuff it dealt with, is not a mega hotel. Lagarda Lodge has a tree in its restaurant. Olas Verdes is a lead certified hotel. The Surf Simply Project, lead certified. Um, the Harmony has went through great efforts to do a lot of stuff. Bodhi as well. You guys are all diehard competitors and you all linked up for a trash initiative. That was phenomenal. I think we should start talking about that stuff a lot exactly, more too. Exactly, exactly. And all these hotels that you mentioned, uh, the Gilded Iguana as well, they all have treatment plans. Oh. They're all the ones who are sponsoring. Uh, the Gilded takes a lot, a lot of heat. Um, they did a lot of things right. I mean, a lot of things right. And I'm not saying that because I'm affiliated with them in any way. I'm not. But I'm saying their water donation, just all the, they recycled what they could. They really did a lot of things right. So. And Veronica, who works for them, she's the president of the Recycling Association. She's awesome. And, the, you know, these are how the hotels that are, you know, kicking ass in terms of separation. Like, they're the ones who are recycling and having all the separation. They do composting. Um, so, yeah, they're the ones who produce the most trash, but they're also the ones who are managing in the best way, I have to say. Well, um, hey, this is good. We're talking about the good stuff because we're surrounded by all the the arguing and bickering over over other things, but it, it is good to stop for a moment and celebrate the wins. Yes, yes. We still have green areas. We still have parklands. Um, the Richmond Phipps thing didn't turn into taking over all the mm-hmm. land between Guiones and Pilata. I've heard so many people come and tell me there's a mega five or ten story resort being built between Pilata and Guiones that's slated. I don't think that's true. Um, I think I think I think you would know. I, just, I don't know. You only know what you know, right? I guess. Actually, I guess I don't really know anything. <laughs> <laughs> so let me backtrack on all that. I have no clue what I'm talking about. There might be mega resorts coming in, but I don't think so. I don't I don't think so either. And I think I would be surprised if an investment didn't do their homework and realize that Nosada is not about that. You know, that that's not what Nosada is or wants. And and this this is a green town. This is a place where people enjoy the beach. It has also become into a more of a like a family environment with all these great schools that we have. Uh, so yeah, I will be shocked if somebody wants to come and invest in something that it's so different through what this place has been trying to position yeah, itself. I agree with you. And just the permitting, the time frame to get the water to get all that would be astronomical cost. It, yes. would, it just doesn't make any sense for for an investor to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. They just think Nosara is popular, so. Rich Carlton's coming in. It's, it's not necessarily like that. Nosara has a lot of built-in mechanisms, mainly are green areas that prevent anything widespread. And mm-hmm. you can't come in, can't come in and do anything big. And the temporary building regulations you're saying are not affecting the overall plan regulatora, which is refreshing news. And if we have the plan regulatora, as you and Josue now are betting me on three years, <laughs> then we're actually in pretty darn good spot yeah yeah i as i you know as as we talk let's let's focus on the positive things for mm. sure so which i want to share with you one more thing um and it has to do with the dump i i don't know if you were aware but um you know now that the dump has been closed uh, the municipality of nicoja is taking the trash we have to deal with the fact that we have you know a bunch of old trash just sitting online uncovered in within the forest mm-hmm. in, in an area that we know now thanks to the hydrogeological study that it's close to a recharge area for for our aquifer. So that is something that has been going on in the minds of everybody who works in, in, you know, from the Recycling Association and from the NCA. The NCA, it's the owner of the land where the dump is. Um, It was part of the donation of land that we got. I think it was back in 2004 when we got the donation of land from Amigos de de Nosara, uh, how NCA kind of owned all these parklands. And 
we were able to establish this contact with the University of Florida, the Gators. I know there's a couple of Gators in town. Uh, we have their students here helping us, thankfully. The environmental department, they have a program called the Capstone Project where um, their professor takes students to different Latin American countries to kind of have hands-on experience in real situations in communities. So these people came, I think it was back in September, um, and they're helping us establish what is the best route to take in order to be able to make or neutralize the hazard that at this point is right now the dump. Um, th we analyzed two options. One is to be able to cover uh, with an impermeable, probably clay, to cover the, the trash um, and monitor it for at least 20 years to make sure that there wasn't any contamination on the underground water. The second option is to take out all the trash. And those are two very hotly contested schools of thought because I've had some engineer uh, people explain to me when you remove the dump, it's a far worse environmental catastrophe because you get everything moving and it gets in into the water supply, yada, yada. And then I've also had people say, no, you can move dumps. It's just you have to do it the right way. Well, so the, what, what's your policy on this all that? Is, you know, we've been discussing it a lot, the board and kind of this uh, committee that we have that has been interested in helping. And I have to say thank you to all the people who have get involved, Nick McAlpin, Vitas and Elizabeth. Um, Carlos Araya, all of them have been uh, to a certain point involved in this project. Is everyone unified and remove it or cover it? Or we need to remove it. And the reason we need to remove it, it's because the trash, when it was first placed in there, it was not lined. So there's nothing to protect all that trash that has been compacted and it's kind of soaking with all the rain uh, from the underground water. Mm. And we also know that that is a, a, a fragile area uh, for recharge for our aquifer. So what we are looking at it now, right now is, is to see how much it would cost to remove it. And I'm going to be very honest, the NCA doesn't have the money to remove all this trash. I mean, we're preliminarily talking about probably over a million dollars. Um, but while the students were here doing their first visit, they were able to establish contact with the landfill of Santa Cruz, which is likely where we would have to put the trash. That's a proper landfill with other permits. They said, yes, they'll take the trash. They started talking with different uh, transportation options and they're going to be coming in December. The 10th of December, we're going to have a public meeting that we're going to be announcing soon in the afternoon uh, to give us the best option, uh, you know, based on their technical knowledge and also the approximate cost, cost of it. Mm. And our goal is that once we have that very clear, we can start going out there. You know, I'm hoping that the municipality of Nicoya will get involved. I'm hoping that we can have the national government get involved, especially if there is really a way uh, where we can see that our water could be, you know, under threat. I, I'm sure that they will be, get, be involved. You know, we're looking into also having hopefully international donors as well so that we can get all the trash out. But the that's first really thing is to news. know how much it would cost. Yeah, I'm really excited just, about I mean, that. Just to have momentum, like that's that's very positive. And then the other thing that has me really excited is that I had recently an NCA board member, no, not board members, just an, an NCA member approached me about uh, starting a... Climate Change Commission for for the Nosara community under the NCA. Then what does that mean? So what it means uh, at this point is we're we're looking into the community of Monteverde that has an organization called Corclima that for me has been very inspiring and, and and they're talking you know this organization is about resilience against climate change and I think that the first thing to know is to get good solid data in Corclima in Monteverde what they did is that they were able to. Um, estimate their carbon footprint as a community. And so once you know how much, from, from what areas it's producing the most carbon and 
then you can start addressing that situation to try to be carbon neutral by by or even carbon negative which would be even more positive right like we are sequestrating more carbon that we're putting out there uh, by a date so we're just starting and this is a and, and actually you know kind of putting it out there if you are passionate about climate change you have knowledge about it and you want to join this commission please reach out because we're just starting uh i think that a good way to start is having our carbon footprint estimated for the community um and you know it's 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 what's most crucial and i think most important as as humanity at this point i i and you know to go back to what you said at the beginning i was last week i attended the Cruza, which is the foundation, Costa Rica USA Foundation, they are doing these awards of the Crusader of the Year, um, and they buy different nonprofits and just organizations that they work with. And you know, we the NCA gets a lot of its funds through Cruza. I mean, Amigos de Costa Rica, a lot of the nonprofits here in Osada do that. And so I attended the Crusader Award ceremony that was in San Jose uh, on Monday last week, and. It was so impactful for me because uh, Cristiana Figueres was there. She's she, this woman. She's a Costa Rican, and she was the one who uh, directed the Paris Agreement a couple of years ago. So she was working with the UN, and she was named one of the ten most influential uh, women for the year. I think it was last year by by Time Magazine. And she was just amazing and so refreshing to to hear. To like, I'm very passionate about climate change, and I'm constantly. Uh, doing research about it and reading about it. Um, but Cristiana, the way that she spoke about it, it was so clear. And for me, like people tend to go around the bushes with this kind of information because it's very troubling. I, you know, I think mm-hmm. it was last week that we had like 1100 scientists coming out saying about what are we facing to. And Cristiana just said it so easily. She said, we're about to go into the most important decade of humanity 20 from 2020 to 2030. By 2030, we, humanity, need to have reduced our carbon footprint to 50%. That's it. If we don't achieve that by 2030, it doesn't matter what we do, there's not going to be kind of a way back because the amount of carbon that we're putting up in the atmosphere, it's going to be so much that we're going to start seeing. We're already seeing it. You know, like Australia is having incredible fires right now. Uh, in Costa Rica, we're talking that, you know, Guanacaste might become a desert we already had 14% less rain uh, already this year, which was, it's going accordingly to what was foreseen by the Meteorological Institute. Is that, is that a word? I just yeah, made it up. Yeah, you did pretty good. Thank you. That's hard. Um, 15% less rain we're already seeing. We're talking about the Caribbean coast being completely flooded. And the way she said it, she, you know, she basically said, we're talking about basically all the tropic area between the Tropical Cancer and Tropical Capricornio becoming land that won't be livable. So all the people that live between those two tropics are going to have to migrate either to the north or to the south. Okay, so I'm good and scared. I'm waiting for like the happy part of this. I know. That's exactly how I felt during her her speech and how I could see everybody look. I, I knew that already, but you know, I could see people being like, whoa, like she was like, this is it. That's nothing. By 2030, we didn't cut our carbon footprint by half. And I think that it's easy to say like, oh my God, yeah, the government has to cut the carbon footprint. Everybody, we all have a carbon footprint that we need to cut. So I think that if Nosada can start analyzing their carbon footprint and, and see how we can do, she said something really good. She said that we're doing good in some things and we're not doing that good in other things. As a humanity, because Costa Rica is only 5 million people. So we really, that you know, if Costa Rica becomes carbon neutral, as we have claimed that we want to do, the actual impact of it, it's not going to be that much. 
the impact comes from showing that it can be done, right? It's a model. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So she said, what is the world doing good in terms of reducing their carbon footprint by 2030 in 50%? Um, energy. 25% of the world's energy is already being produced in some sustainable way, either, you know, wind or solar. So it, it seems like we're in track to by 2030 just be, you know, down by 50%. Um, the financial uh, systems, financial uh, markets, already people are moving out from investing, for example, in uh, gas and oil mm-hmm. and moving into investing in green technology. So that is going a long way. And uh, electrical vehicles, you know, which cars are one of the biggest um producers of CO2, by next year, it is expected that the price of an electric car and a fossil fuel car will be uh, the same. So it will be easier to do the change. In Costa Rica, we only have right now, uh, we have a couple of options for electrical vehicles, but they're all small. And with our roads, unfortunately, I don't think we can have them here. So I, you know, I, I don't cannot think one wait. would make it from Samara to here. Right they, now. Oh, well, yeah, because they're smaller than the holes, so, for so sure. They can't, get, they can't get over the holes. But once we got those... Sorry, bad joke. We, we'll, we'll have it. So anyways, we're doing good in those three things. In what we're not doing good, uh, forests, I, you know, the world's still losing its forests. We, we also recently saw how the Amazon was being severely burned. Uh, Costa Rica, it's, you know, way up the curve in that. We have, you know, 25% of the country protected in some sort of official way and a lot more in uh, private ways. We're not doing good in agriculture and we're not doing good in soils. So those are kind of the three areas where we need to put our, our attention to the way that we're eating. Uh, the other day, somebody told me, it's like, who would thought that it was smart to put poison in your food before eating it? Like, mm. right, when you Seems put like all these agrochemicals. That's Costa Rica's one of its biggest challenges. And that's Costa Rica's one of the biggest challenges. You're right. You know, we have a very high per capita um, use of agrochemicals. It is super, and, and actually in that uh, meeting, the first lady was there, and it was very cool to see how Cristiana, in a very polite way, said like, you know, Costa Rica just launched a decarbonization plan at the beginning of this year, and it's great, and it's good that we're making our statement, but it, that plan is kind of focusing in, in the easiest things in some sort of way, which are the things that are already moving forward. We need to focus in the hard things, like agriculture, for example. So anyways, I, I kind of took it to the other side, but for me, that was very eye-opening uh, and, and I'm well, very excited if, if we can form our climate change committee for, for NOSADA. And, and if anybody is interested to join, please do. Here's what would be interesting for me if, if the climate change committee found a way to do kind of what they did in Oceanol. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to the analogy of in order to protect the turtles, the people are harvesting the first round of turtles. You found a way to make something work. Sustainable use, yeah. Right. If the climate change community can unify, say, your most ardent developer in addition to your most ardent environmentalist to work together in a cohesive manner to make progress, then I think that would be an ultimate success of the climate change committee. Like, for example, if it's a carbon footprint, we get a number. Well, that number doesn't, it doesn't matter your political beliefs are fiscal it's just a number yeah it's just a number so everyone can point towards something and that's really interesting to think about like that's that's pretty cool because let's go back to cutting down trees because we have monkeys here we have wildlife that's a big reason why people come here but at the same time people are coming here and getting positioned and then cutting down the trees right well we have pretty strong replenishment efforts in nosara compared to most places i'm Mm -hmm. not saying it's perfect but i'm saying we it's way better here than most places and if we step that up a couple notches we can have way more trees 
way more trees than we ever have. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that's, right. that can happen. So I don't want people to lock up and argue about like what's going on. I'd rather like, let's get busy. I getting agree. The solution yes. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. And you know, as we said a little bit before, like it, we, we, we have the power to decide what we focus on. And, um, I, I've constantly have this quote around my head. Um, this guy Bucky, I think it was his name, and he passed a long time ago. But anyways, he said, "You don't have to fight the system; you just have to create a new system that makes the old one obsolete." Mm. And I think that that's where we can focus on right now. Like Nosada has the the capacity, you know, the environmental capacity, the natural capacity, and the people's capacity to be something really cool. And and you know, let's let's work on that. What are the three or four or five things that people who live here can do? Because like, right now, a lot of people just hop on social media, and you already know my my take on mm-hmm, social media, mm-hmm. bitching and moaning. Uh, being a keyboard warrior is not really a warrior. Yeah, you know what? I think that's a great point. Um, there's so many great ideas. What we need is more manpower, people who are willing to uh, do the work. And, and, you know, that means drafting letters, writing proposals. There's, there's grants, there's funds, there's so many things. Um Frankly, we're, you know, at the NCA, we're being able to move forward because we take the time to, to do that. Like I write proposals. We have, you know, Francisco, we have a crew now. We have a board that is very engaged, that it's taking the time to do those things. We could do much more if there's more people who are willing to kind of get away from the computer and, you know, go into the real world where yeah. we need hands on just on like, the dirt to work. Let's go. Let's go plant trees like. Yeah, even, you know, like, what can people do? Volunteer. Come and volunteer. You know, we have so many people coming now to the Recycling Center on Thursday, which is the volunteer day. Super quick, uh, touch on metamorphosis. Can you explain that in like 30 seconds? Sure. Uh, So metamorphosis is a project that came, uh, that was proposed to the Recycling Association by Angie Miranda from uh, Surf Pacific and Mantarraya. Shout out to Angie. Angie, yeah, great. Thank you for that. And she connected us with this great architect, artist, uh, Francesco Bracci. And Francesco has been known in Costa Rica for doing these inst- art installations that usually use uh, materials that have been deemed to be waste before. And so the idea is that we want to bring more um, attention to the recycling center and how important it is to separate your trash um, 50% of what goes into the, the, the trash is organic that you don't even need to send. You can just compost at home and have, you know, enrich your soil, which is also good. Uh, 30% is recyclable and only 20% is not recoverable. Of course, the, you know, what we would want to do is it's produce less waste. And something that kind of got stuck into my head was I saw this movie called Wasted. This documentary that was really cool with Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And, a head of lettuce w- w- that goes to the dump instead of being composted can take up to 20 years to decompose in the dump. So it's insane. You might think it's like, oh, but it's, you know, it's organic food. It's like, you know, leftovers for my meal. I'll send it to the dump and it will. No, if it doesn't have the, gra- the good process of composting that has, you know, it's, it's an aerobic process. You need to move once in a while your compost in order to have air go into it. If you just send all your organics without separating it, it can take many years to decompose. So uh, waste management is so important here in this community and all in Costa Rica. Um, 
So the whole idea of metamorphosis is to bring more attraction about the importance of separating. So we're going to be doing some installations that are going to be created by the community. So Francesco kind of lays out the plan, but then the, the way that the structure is made, it has a lot of different little pieces that people are doing. When they go to volunteer at the recycling center, they're actually building it so that eventually together as a community, we can build this installation that will go into the recycling center that hopefully by then will be even nicer because there's not going to be a bunch of uh, old trash right next to it. So to me, it seems like someone listening to this, as opposed to getting that feeling of nothing's happening, things are wrong, oh, I got to type stuff. I'm proposing action. You're proposing action. Let's go work together. So it seems like getting involved with the recycling center, that's a phenomenal option. You have the Thursday crew, which is normally 60 plus age group we're trying to bring the median age yes. down a little bit <laughs> um metamorphosis is another one that mm -hmm. people can get involved in stay tuned we'll have an episode on that soon um planting trees at Guiones and other phenomenal groups that are doing things like yeah. that Tortuguiones, we should work with vanessa also i noticed that the markers on the beach are due now for, to be kind of uh refreshed some of them have been lost remember vanessa installed yeah, with sure. every 50 meters the markers on the beach maybe it's time to to fix them now that the dry season is starting. Okay, so we've got the recycling center. You've got Berguiones, Torguiones. I would throw in there the trail systems. Get people volunteer, out of the trails. Volunteer with the trail system for sure. We need people to let us know. We used to have these benches that got kind of got rotten. We want to replace the benches and make sure that that looks well again. Send us feedback or, or also participate in this in this committee. You know, at some point. First thing is to do research, to see what other people are doing, uh, until we can craft a proposal of how we're going to design the trails, the, the main trail, at least to start. Uh, volunteering the climate change committee I also. The, so I, I, I want to add one more thing to the list. It's teaching the kids or the people from here and providing an education systems or an outlet for for them. And, and here's what here's what I'm referencing. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before many mm -hmm. times. We're gone from an agricultural society into a tourism based society. Mm -hmm. And we're not arming the people from here with the education to succeed right. in this in this area. And no offense to NCA, it's wonderful. No offense to everyone. I'm not being mean I don't know of any community that has more of a focus on trees, monkeys and animals and turtles than than where we are yes. right now. And Again, I'm on record fully saying we are not doing enough for the people from here. I agree. If they can't get a job and they don't have the skill set to mm -hmm. participate in the community, that's why people like you from San Jose have to come in and fill those roles and people like yeah. me from elsewhere come in and fill those roles. But, and this is, again, part of why I'm doing the podcast. I want to start ringing that bell. And over the next year or two, I'm going to start getting really vocal about mm -hmm. that. Like I, um, I think there's a forgotten generation and we're experiencing it right now and there's only so long you can do that before we already have we i only know this because i've been involved with security for so long but we have a couple areas around here that have pretty significant drug issues yes and when you have a lack of education a lack of opportunity that leads to crime yeah. that leads to all these things and that steamrolls and maybe when a kid's 12 to 18 they could just do a couple surf lessons on the side but what happens when that 18 year old kid's a 36 year old yes and a 45 year old and like like we have we we could be staring down the barrel of real potential issues and i think we could avoid them if we arm the people from here and, and I, i'm obviously to anyone listening i'm not talking about plotter guiones there's not much of a local yeah populace there's, there. there's seven public schools in nosada yeah and i would like to get behind that You're, you'll be happy to hear about this reach and and this is kind of outside of the nca because the nca as you say it's it's pretty much an environmental organization and i and I, you know, 
I think it's important for organizations to focus to be effective and efficient, right? Sure. So it might be outside of the focus of the NCAA, but I know because, you know, through through my Harmony hat, I work for the Harmony Hotel. We we have been doing a lot of collaboration with the Guardians of Nature program that was started by Jessica Sheffield. Big shout out to Jessica. Big shout out to Jesse. And uh, Jesse and I have been discussing this several times because what happens is that you have kids going to the public school and they're receiving four hours of education per day. Whether you have a kid going into the private school and to the Mar, Casa de las Estrellas, El Mar, and they're getting at least eight hours. And, you know, since you are six years old, the, 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 the division, the gap starts widening right there. The moment that you have this, some kids going, you know, double the amount of, so how are they going to compete? And so with Jesse, we've been constantly talking about this because, you know, her focus has been a lot into environmental education and that is great, but we need to also address the fact that the level of public education in these rural areas is not as good. And, and it can be better. You know, there's public schools in San Jose that, um, that are quite good. I, I'm a product of public education and I'm proud to say that I, I graduated from a public high school. I went to the public university. Um, it can be better. And so Jessica has been working on a proposal for within her Guardians of the Nature movement that it's specifically to address uh, th that issue, that we need to improve the level of education. And for that, you know, she's been working with, for example, the teachers creating materials so that, you know, the teacher have a curricula approved by the Ministry of Education of what they need to teach. But usually they don't have resources to teach about that. So imagine you're, you're, you're a teacher, you just came from giving lessons to, you know, 30 kids because you probably have, you know, 30 to 35 kids that you have to address, you know, watch. And then you have to come home and plan for the lessons that you're going to be giving the next day. So a teacher's job is not only, it's not done the moment that they're done giving lessons. They have to go back home and plan. So what Jesse through Gardens of Nature has been doing is she has been creating uh, lessons for teachers so that they can teach the, the curricula that they need to cover with uh, a backbone on, of environment through all their lessons. So it could be a science lesson, it could be a social studies lesson, it could be a Spanish lesson, and there's always a little bit of, of environment or sustainability thought through it, but it's covering the, the curricula. So what it's, what's that doing is that now teachers have resources in Spanish, because there's not many resources in Spanish, where they can easily, in a creative way, teach a lesson to their kids. That's fantastic. It's really cool. Another area that she's incorporated to the project is um, making the school boards of the, uh, of the schools, of the public schools stronger. So, you know, school boards, I think it's very similar to the U.S. You know, you have the principal and then you have the school board and the school board is the one who manages the budget for the school. The school boards are very powerful in Costa Rica, but a lot of them don't know that. And also something, you know, we were going at, uh, around on a list that what you can do, become a part of a school board. There, it's it's not that hard, and people tend to think that only parents of the school can be parents of, of can be part of the school board. That's not correct. Anybody in the community that wants to can be can join a school board. If the school boards are strong, they're a great partner to the principal of the school. If you have a good principal, if you have a bad principal or a bad teacher, and the school boards are strong, the school boards can do something about it. So it's so important for the school boards to understand what's their potential in order and, and the role to play in order to improve the level of education of these schools. Mm, that's all really good stuff. Bring Jessie. She'll tell you she, more about I, it. I've had her on before and I 
really enjoyed it, but I probably need to invite her back for an update because yeah, the movement has changed a, a lot. The movement has changed a lot. She signed a cooperation agreement with the Ministry of Education. The Ministry of Education was here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she is, you know balling about the whole gardens of nature and the lessons and everything she signed a cooperation agreement with uh with the environment and that w that will increase the the level of coverage of the program it will it, it can potentially go to all the public schools of costa rica which would it, be amazing it can go around the world she already has a lot of people downloading her materials in spain and in south america so yeah for she sure bring her something to me one time I'll, I'll probably never forget it it was just it was during one of her episodes we were talking about nosara area and she was explaining how in all the past with the recycling center trying to educate the adults around here wasn't really working but when they started educating the children the children taught the adults mm -hmm. it was it was backwards and that kind of opened her eyes and then one thing led to another then she kind of moved out of what she used to work on between del mar scholarships and just all of the mm -hmm. massive things that she did there she said the movimiento this is me like this is where i'm going i'm going to dedicate myself to this and i was like wow you might reach a lot of Costa Rica and she's like Rich I'm going to reach the world and I was <laughs> like I think she meant that yeah and, and she's she's going to do it right but the her courage this nice sweet woman who does great things You, did, I didn't expect like that that power like her to have that commitment and she did and that's inspiring me oh my god well I was and with Jessica I was with Jessica in this um, Cruza meeting that Christiana spoke and you know after she scared the shit out of everybody with climate change and she told us that there's hope and that we all need to do our part something that she said that really stuck with me was that we have to be optimists and stubborn that's it you know we have to be optimists that that this can be done that we can change because I, I didn't finish it actually we need to cut our carbon footprints by 2030 in 50 percent and keep cutting them until by 2050 we're only producing 5% of what we were producing right now in carbon. So it is a big challenge. Yeah. And everything that we said to do, it's not always going to be successful. So we need to be stubborn and, you know, optimist and stubborn. That That's it, you know, believing that it can happen. And, and especially when you're working with government, be stubborn. Mm. If, if this doesn't go well, then let's go on, on another path and keep keep finding until we find the way and if you put out a project out there you know from the nca for example and people don't like it then let's let's put another one because it's so easy to just give up and, and frankly at this point we cannot afford to give up it's always a pleasure to talk with you cookie thank you rich i stopped calling you galleta i figure i had to now that we're talking <laughs> in front of everybody can i still this. call you ricardo yeah if you want to okay. everyone else around here calls me rick what is it? C-H? Rich? Is that a hard Rich. sound to make? Uh, not really. Chavez. You know, we have... It used to be on the on the ABCs. A, B, C, Che, D. They took it out after. So hmm. Che, it's, it's the C-H. It was a, a letter. Oh, well, we'll My mom learned it like that. <laughs> um, I'm glad you came in. Let's Good luck this high season. Thank you. I imagine we'll be talking here pretty soon. But if I don't talk to you for a couple months, we'll... Let's hope that 2020 is a smoother year than 2019 and a lot of good stuff happens. Please. <laughs> Thanks.